0: Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review, and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message.
1: The very last chapter. I to read the entire chapter just so we can hear what John actually is saying as he concludes this book we will get our text right from the very end of the chapter in the 20th verse and I've entitled the message tonight even so come lord jesus and we're going to be dealing with the, the the second coming of the lord in our thinking tonight Revelation 22 And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God... And of the lamb shall be in it, his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth the light, and they shall reign forever and ever. He said unto them, unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, Thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, of whom, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. He saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is inju- unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work, as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they which do his commandments. may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without our dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, whosoever loveth and maketh a lie, I, Jesus, have sent mine angels to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, let him that heareth say, Come, let him that is a first come, whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy. God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifies these things saith, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Our Father, we pray. The word will take root in our heart tonight. We thank you for the privilege that we've had to worship this evening, for the testimonies we've heard, for those good things that we have heard people say about their relationship to you, for your goodness and mercy. As we look at your word now, Lord, you may it bless our lives in a very special way. We pray in Christ's name. Look down at that 20th verse again. It says, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Now, if you have a red letter edition, you will discover that the words in red are, Surely I come quickly. Meaning that he the word he in the 20th verse, the beginning of it, he is referring to Jesus. Jesus, which testifies of these things, says, Surely I come quickly. And then it's back to John. John says, Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. John's response to the statement, "Surely I come quickly," Amen, which means so be it. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. I can almost sense, or I can sense, the the anticipation that John is expressing to the response, or in a response to the words of Jesus when Jesus said, "I surely I'm coming." John said, come on, Lord, come on. Come quickly. Do it now. Don't delay. So be it. I doubt that, that that is the response that we would hear from everyone. On the day of Jesus' ascension into heaven, All his disciples were standing around and they watched him simply go up. And the scripture says a cloud took him out of their sight. I'm going to do a sermon one of these days on clouds. All the way through the scripture, there is something that happens because of clouds. And here a cloud just simply seems to take him out of their sight. Does it simply mean that uh, the cloud... Shadowed his further gone so that nobody could see him, or did the cloud, was the cloud actually the vehicle by which Jesus ascended? I, I'm not sure that I know, but uh, he disappeared in that cloud. And everybody stood around with their mouths deep open in amazement, seeing the Lord actually go, disappear out of their sight. And there was an angel who came. And the angel said, Ye men of Galilee, why did you stand here gazing up into heaven? And he said, This same Jesus, word same is important, not somebody different, but the same person that you have been with the three years that you witnessed his crucifixion the same person who came out of the grave is the same person who ascended and this same Jesus will so come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven he's going to come back the same way as you have seen him go We don't spend probably enough time preaching and teaching about the second coming. And there are lots of people who do not believe that Jesus is going to come back again. But I think the scripture teaches without doubt that he will return. Now, I'm not going to try to differentiate tonight between what we call the rapture of the church and the second coming, because they really are two separate events. The next episode in God's calendar is what we call the rapture of the church. We talked about that in Sunday school today. The word rapture does not appear in the scripture. That's a a Latin word that means uh, the the taking up or taking away. Uh, But the Lord is going to return as we studied this morning in Sunday school. He is going to shout. There is going to be an archangel that's going to blow a trumpet. And all of these things are going to take place. And the people who are saved people, who are righteous, who are physically dead, whose bodies are in the grave, those graves are going to be opened. And their soul is going to come with Jesus, and their soul and body will be put back together again. The body will be caught up and meet the Lord in the air, and the, 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 the actual souls of the saints will the Lord bring back with him. They'll be reunited. And those of us, if we are fortunate enough, if that's the way we would look at it, to be here when he comes for the church, will physically, bodily, just ascend. And in that process, we're going to be changed. We're not going to have the physical limitations that we now have, but we will be like the Lord is, and we will ascend. After the graves have been opened, the next thing is for those who are alive to ascend. Now, there is a difference there. That's the rapture. The second coming really is after that when the Lord actually physically comes back to earth, puts his feet on the earth, and begins his thousand-year reign. That's his second coming. But we oftentimes call the rapture his second coming and intermingle those things. And I'm not attempting to straighten those out and because we are so accustomed to thinking of it as one event, although there are actually two events. But I will basically refer to the second coming, meaning when he does return. Uh, whether we think of it as far as the rapture is concerned or actually putting his feet upon the earth, I'm not going to try to differentiate tonight between the two and the things I want to say. But what is your attitude, your thinking, about his return? I would assume that all of us would be in, in the group who believe that he, in fact, will return. If you do not believe that, I, you're in for a big surprise. The scripture teaches it. And I just quoted from the angel who said, This same Jesus that you have seen go into heaven will come again. In the same manner you've seen him go. A lot of people Would uh, express the attitude of fear or at least anxiety toward the return of the Lord. Why would anybody be afraid of his return? I can remember when I was a child and began to learn some of these things, I was actually afraid of this particular episode. I do not believe that I am afraid at all now of the fact that the Lord is going to return. A person who is afraid would be unsure of whether or not they would be caught up. I know when the Lord returns, I'm going. I've settled that question. There is no doubt in my mind whether I'm in the grave or whether I'm still yet alive or I'm going to see it. I believe the scripture teaches that, and I've studied it thoroughly enough to to have convinced myself that there is no reason for me to be afraid or unsure. I ask lots of people in my ministry about their salvation, if they are ready to go. And oftentimes I get the answer, I hope so. Listen, I've got more than hope. I know so. And every Christian can know. And I know that maybe you get tired of my referring to the assurance of salvation. There is no question in my mind that the the scripture teaches that we can be sure that we're saved. Paul made it very clear, I think, when he said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What day? The day of the rapture? Certainly. The day of the judgment? Certainly. I have committed, Paul says, myself unto him, that is Jesus, and Jesus is able to keep me. You believe that? I hope that everyone believes that. If if we don't believe that, we need to study the scripture because it's so emphatically taught. There's no need to say, I hope so. We can be sure of our salvation. Listen, if I would commit myself to God and then be able to say, well, God, I don't know if you can keep me. It would be a bit ridiculous, I think, for me to take that attitude. Who's in charge of this world? Who made this world? Who owns me? Do I not? Do you not belong to God? And whatever God holds to, He surely is not going to let loose on. You see, there is a thing that we do wrong in a hymn that we sing when we sing home to God's unchanging hand." That's an error. It is not our holding to his hand, it is his holding to our hand. And there's a difference in the two. I can slip in my hold, but listen, God doesn't slip in his. He can hold. And so Paul was right. There is no need of fear because we as Christians know with assurance And when the trumpet sounds and the shout that comes from the Lord is made, we're going to see. That's the church. The other attitude that uh, and probably most people would fall into this category, yes, I know that when he comes, that I am going to ascend, but I hope he doesn't come right now. John Express the attitude, Lord, come quickly. I know an old preacher friend of mine the name of A.S. Kelly. He married my mother and dad. And I remember him as a part of the West Baptist Convention years and years ago. I remember he would say, I'm ready to go, but I'm no hurry to get started. Well, that probably reflects most of our attitude. We would say, we're ready to go, but we hope he doesn't do it today. Why is it that we would want to hold on to anything physically we have? Is it that valuable and important that we would not want to go ahead and make that transition to that life that is is in heaven? John was saying, Lord, come on, let's do it now. Now. Most of us probably would say, well, yeah, I want to go, but I'm in no hurry to get started. Uh, probably a lot of that is out of the fear of uncertainty as to what that experience is going to be. But the people that I have talked with who have had out-of-body, quote, out-of-body experiences, that is, people who have physically died, whose body has separated from from their soul and their soul was still yet alive and was able to relate and and see and and tell about the things that were going on when they were out of the body, tell me that they no longer are afraid of death whatever. Because they have realized through that experience that there is no need of being insecure in facing death. Thirdly, uh, most people, or well I shouldn't say most, but many people will be looking forward to that time like John was looking forward to it. As a child is eager (coughs) for a, a coming event in their life. And I can remember as a child that I could hardly wait when I knew that we were going to go on vacation. That morning that we were to start seemingly would never come. I was so eager to get started. I think that's the way we ought to be, and there are a few people who are that way. I doubt that I have come to that point yet in my life. I hope that I will someday. of having that eagerness like John to really want it, hoping that it'll happen today. I only know of one person that ever expressed himself to me that way. And a deacon in my my first pastorate uh, in, uh, in Fairview near Fairmont, he was up in his 80s and was not well, and he was anxious to die. He could hardly wait, and he died. And they called the doctor, and the doctor revived him. And when he discovered he was still alive, he was the most angry person I ever saw. He was wanting to go. That's the third attitude that some would have, but most of us would would not do so. Well, what are the results? What's going to happen when the Lord comes? Let's talk about a few of them. One of them we've already mentioned a little bit, and that is we're going to have victory over death. Death will mean nothing to us. We will have no fear whatever of dying. If I would ask you tonight, If you are afraid of dying, most of us would say, yes, I am afraid of that. I absolutely am fearful of dying. But you know the thing that happens is the Lord gives us such a victory when he returns that death means nothing. There's only one way to keep from dying, physically. That is to be alive when the Lord returns, and be a Christian at the same time. If you're not a Christian when the Lord comes, you're probably going to physically die. Those are the people who are going to escape physical death. But the thing that we know is that it really makes no difference if we physically die. Because this body is not us. There is a soul that we have which is what God gave to this hunk of clay of ours and it doesn't die. It will live on if we're saved. If a person is not saved, his soul will live on but he would wish it wouldn't. He would desire it to cease to be but it will live in eternal torment. Well, the second thing that I can think we can say about his second coming is that our salvation will be complete. Now, Now listen to me here before you say I'm off base. Our salvation will become complete. And the first thing I can hear somebody say is, well, I thought my salvation was complete the moment I accepted Jesus Christ. That's true. One is saved at that moment, and one will never be lost. But there is something happening in our lives. It's an ongoing type of thing. When from the moment of our salvation until we enter heaven, there is an ongoing process of our being saved. Now now hear me out on this. I want want to to go to some some scripture here to to talk about this uh, before we're done here. It's an ongoing process. Uh, One of the things that happens to us when we become saved and uh, when we begin our salvation, that is uh, our salvation is making it possible for us to lose the power that sin has over us. So we are being in that we are moved that that the power of sin is getting out of our life, becoming less and less and less. There are lots of of us and all of us at times that uh, have not succeeded in progressing in our salvation. We just stay at the beginning and never progress. And the habit of sin in our life never lessens. We ought to be less sinful every day because the Lord is doing something in us. What he's doing is giving us more power and more uh, grace so that the things of Satan become less and less powerful. And in that, there is a continuing process, and that's called salvation. Salvation. We are being saved from the powers of Satan in our life, continually. Let me read you a few passages of Scripture. First of all, I want to go to Philippians chapter 3, which says this in verses 20 and 21 of chapter 3 of Philippians. About the things, well, I'm, I'm going. I'm moving on to another to another statement here, and that is, well, let me read it to you, and then you'll see it. Philippians chapter three, verse twenty. For our conversation, and the word conversation means our homeland. If you were reading the Living Bible, that's the word you'd find. Our homeland is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're living here now, but that's not where we belong. Our home is not here, it's in heaven. We are being saved out of this world. Continually being saved, progressing toward heaven. And it is from heaven, he says in that 20th verse, that we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall do something, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like his glorious body. Now here's another thing that has not been completed yet in our life: Our soul is saved now, but our body is not saved now. That's yet to come. Our salvation isn't complete until our body is saved. We've got to have, that's right, we've got to have a glorified body, a body like Jesus' body. That's right. Now, we have, we're not there yet. So we're not fully saved. We have our soul saved, but our body's got to be changed. And that's what's going to happen when he returns. Those who are in the grave, the body's going to come out. They're going to be transformed. Those who are alive, the body's going to be transformed. Then we will be completely saved, body and soul. Do you follow my thinking? So we're still not completely saved in that our body is still fragile. And that's why we continue to sin. This part of us is not finished yet. He hasn't completed the process. Romans 13 11 is another verse. I hope I didn't lose you on on that little discourse right there. Verse uh, 11 of chapter 13 of Romans. Romans 13, 11. It's important that you see this verse. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now, notice this, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. We're not there yet. It's not complete. We're getting closer and closer and closer to our complete salvation. All right? Hebrews nine twenty-eight. If you don't find it, it be all right. Let me read it to you. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We're really not going to be saved until he gets here from this concept. We're looking forward to a Christ to return who did what? He bore the sins of many. He took our sins and and carried them for us. And we're looking for him to reappear. Because when he reappears, the second time, he's going to come, not the man of sin who carried our sin on the cross. He's not coming back in, in the capacity of our Savior in that term. He's going to be without sin. Jesus died in sin for our sin. He's coming back without that stigma. He's coming back without sin in order to save us. So we are saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. You see the three concepts? We are saved now in our soul. We are being saved as we overcome, and the Lord overcomes in us, the trials that we have with sin, and we shall be completely saved when He comes and takes our body and our soul and puts them back together in a perfect harmony. That's complete salvation. Now, if that's a little deep, don't worry about it. But uh, that's the that's the process of salvation. Another thing, and we'll hurry on. I'm out of time. Another thing about. Uh, The second coming of the Lord is that the devil is going to be cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, one chapter back, two chapters back from what we were reading. Revelation 20, uh, verses 10 through 15, I think are important for us to see. One of the things that's going to happen when the Lord returns is the devil is going to meet his waterloo. Verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. There are some people who think that the devil's in charge of hell. Listen, the devil's not in charge of hell. God's in charge of hell. The devil is going to be one who is going to be punished. And he's not going to be sent to hell as we know it where the unrighteous are now. He's going to be condemned to the final death, which is the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, we don't have time to deal with them tonight, and what? And shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Every person who does not accept Jesus Christ, and we're going to see it here in a little bit, will have their place long alongside the devil. In the same punishment for eternity, in what is called the lake of fire and brimstone, and an eternal burning and eternal punishment. Verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. There was found no place for them. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, that's another sermon, <coughs> according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in them. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Here's the people being delivered up. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the, in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire." There's where the devil is, where the false prophet is, where the beast is, uh, and where all unsaved people are going. The devil will be cast out, and God will be in complete control. One other thing, let me say in Uh, And point number four, and that is that Christian people will be rewarded. In chapter 22 there in Revelation, verse 12, Jesus' words, if you have a red letter edition, 12 and 13 are in red letters, meaning that these are the Lord's words. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. One of the things that will take place when the Lord returns is that his people will be rewarded. That's not talking about salvation. We all will receive salvation who have received Jesus Christ. Then he is going to look at our lives, and our lives are on record in heaven in what's called the books that we just read there in chapter 20, and we are going to be judged according to the works that we have done and receive a reward for what we have done, for how we have lived, and consequently fail to get rewards because we have undone so many things or been unfaithful in so many things. A lot of people say, I'll just be so happy to get to heaven that I won't care whether I am rewarded or not. I don't believe that. We surely want to have something in our hands to present to the Lord as evidence of the life that we have lived for Him. And whatever we can bring to the Lord, we will be rewarded for. We're blessed with. What that is, is difficult to determine. We do not know what He's going to give us, as a reward for our faithfulness. But he's going to reward us according to how faithful we have been. The rewards are awaiting. And it's based upon whether or not we deserve them as to what we get. One last I just can't stop about this one last thing, which deals with... uh, one of the things that we're going to discover when the Lord returns is really how good God is. Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, that eyes have not seen nor ears heard. You've heard this quoted in uh, uh, funeral homes and at funerals many, many times. Eyes have not seen nor ears heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. uh, We've heard that so many times we we gloss over it. Our eyes haven't begun to comprehend or see what God has prepared for us. If you think some things here on earth are beautiful, some of the sceneries that we have are just absolutely beyond our wildest imagination, and I stand at awe sometimes when I see Some of those things. I stood on the brim of the Grand Canyon one time and I couldn't believe what I was saying. My mouth was open. My eyes were wide. God has done all this, but that isn't even the beginning of what God has prepared for us. We haven't begun to hear hear good music. Handel's Hallelujah Chorus won't even begin to stand up to what we're going to hear in heaven from the beautiful music we'll hear there. And that's going to happen when the Lord returns and, and makes us complete and whole. The question that we have to end with, that we just have to end with, is, are we ready for his coming? Be prepared. He comes tonight, what would you do? If you knew that you had five hours to make preparation, what things would you do? If a person is ready, we will go on and do what we normally would do. If I knew that, and I've heard people say, i would just go on home and go to sleep, I don't really think I'd sleep too much. But, you need to make, if you knew that. The problem is, he doesn't give us that kind of opportunity. He says he's going to come quickly. The moment's time, the twinkling of an eye, we leave. Are we ready? We need to search our own heart and soul. Live each day, as someone has said, This were our last moment